<laughs> Hey, Giri Gold. What's up, bro? What's What's up, new? my guy? Yeah, my name is Christian, and I'm a technology consultant at Accenture. One of the things I, I, I mentioned to you that I like really want to talk about is basically your story, right? Like, I know you were like really close friends. We've been known each other forever or not forever, but like since college. And one of the things that I've like never really asked you, but always wanted to is like, dude, how, how did you even get here? Yeah, no. no. It feels like forever. I feel like we, we grew up really close in college, so it's awesome. So I grew up in Guatemala City. I grew up playing polo because my dad, my brother played polo, and it was in the family. So when I was graduating high school, I knew I wanted to continue playing polo, but also all of my friends were leaving Guatemala to study abroad to the U.S. I heard a lot of actually Guatemalan people that played polo went to Texas A&M. So I applied and without even like gratefully, I got accepted into engineering school. So it was kind of like the best of all worlds because I really wanted to study engineering and play pole at the same time. And funny story, I never visited College Station before going to Texas A&M. And I was in my head, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be like a city, right? I don't know why I was thinking that. Like I'm 17 years old, leading to college, okay, I'm leading to College Station. And I get there and I was like, oh, wow, this is more like a town. <laughs> Dude, yeah, we pl I played four years in college. That's where we met. I remember the first time we met, kind of just clicked at the barn. It was like, oh, you're Mexican, what am I? That's awesome, dude. So, and we spent a hell of a time there at A&M, four years. I won three out of the four years, intercollegiate polo champion with A&M. From graduation, it was a tough decision, but Polo took the back seat, right? And my career kind of took their first seat, and I joined a consulting firm there, which was Deloitte. I went to live in Houston two years, and I was like, I want to be more in technology. I want to be more in the startup scene, kind of live in a different city, because I've been there in Texas for already six years. And we, Fia, my girlfriend, kind of talked about it, and we were like, let's move. And we packed our stuff and just started driving from Houston to San Francisco. Uh, I've been living here eight months now. It's been a hell of a blast. And recently made a switch from Deloitte to Accenture, which they're big consulting companies. And I'm doing technology consulting with them right now, but always in tech, but trying to get plugged in, in the polo world here. I've met some people, so hopefully we, I can start writing with them. We'll see. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I didn't know that you had never been to A&M before you went to A&M. Like, No, man, it was <laughs> just time. what, what a, what a culture shock. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was totally like different. And of course, like, it's really Texan, right? Um, Yes. Yeah, it's as Texas as Texan can get, honestly. All the station is like the epitome. It's, I think of the stereotype of like Texas. I started hating country music at the beginning, of course, but then after four years there, you have to, you have to love it, right? <laughs> And love yeah Aggie football. you gotta love Aggie football yeah that's true that's awesome dude thanks for the thanks for the high, like the overview there. I think that's that's so interesting you mentioned you know we, we met at the barn I like hadn't thought about that moment for a while 
and then now I just like can't stop thinking about it. Did you, yeah, did you like, know the, 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 the Aguilars? The Aguilars, yeah, yeah. The Aguilars, they have a field there. And yeah, like Guatemala, like people that play polo in Guatemala kind of know each other. It's a small yeah, world. It's a small world. Um, sure. And polo in general, like you'll know that it's a small world, right? Yeah. And everyone knows Mike, our coach. Mike McClure, I'm going to get him on this on this podcast, brother. Oh, you should. Yeah. I don't know if he even knows what the podcast, but. Uh... I don't even know if he knows how to use Zoom, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, you should just record a phone call with him and mm-hmm. ask him a couple questions. We called Victor Aguilar, the Guatemalan guy that played pull at, uh, at College Station, Eagles Landing. Mm-hmm. And he connected me with Mike. And, oh, um, nice. And Mike helped me applied to the scholarship with A&M, with Polo, yeah, and the rest is history. The rest is history. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I really want to get Mike on, on this podcast and, and like, <laughs> I'll, I'll call that episode, man, 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 my ball or something. Can you imagine? Yeah, that'd be funny. But anyway, yeah, dude, another thing that you mentioned was like, I think that is a big piece of your, of your legacy, if you will, is you won like three out of four years. At A&M, you, you were part of the national championship intercollegiate team. I was really grateful to have you on the team because I rode those coattails, baby, like no one else. <laughs> <laughs> Winning. So, uh, I was part of the team. That, the first one, I think it was 2016, right? Yeah. And then 2018. It was, so the first year, like my first year there at A&M, we had a really good team with, with, with Cacho Galindo and Casey, Casey. Wood and and also a really good culture, like with you and Dalton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good team. Like you guys really opened the doors for me and like helped me get up to speed with the team. And we, I feel like we felt it from regionals going up to nationals that when we we crushed SMU by right? ten goals, I think in regionals because Cacho, Cacho, Casey, and I really synced that day, and then we were playing really well. And that's when we knew we we really had a good chance to take it home. That's that was like a six goal team. That's a six goal intercollegiate team playing arena against like that's yeah, pretty easily, that's easily. A, not and we're not talking like arena handicap. We're talking outdoor handicap. Six goal team. Wait, Cacho maybe is, more. Maybe more. more. I mean, Cacho. Yeah, is more right now, but yeah, um, yeah. Cacho with his long arms, long everything. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. It was a solid player. And awesome. Who did you, who, you guys ended up beating Colorado UVA. State? Oh, UVA. Oh, UVA. Yeah, UVA. we beat UVA. Oh, who was on that team? Who was on that UVA team? It was... Do you um, remember? Merrill Chisareta, I think. Oh, and that's right. it was Felipe Gomez. That's right, Felipe Gomez. And the... another guy. Was England, it? I think. I forgot his name. He was good. And the, the game was, was really close. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we were... Every trucker was either tied or were losing by one or up by one. And up until the last trucker, that's where we scored two. And that's like kind of like how we went in. And, and I think this, they scored a last one at the end, but we ended up winning just by one. It was crazy, but really tough game. Yeah. Because it's also like, remember, we went up to, where was this? Not Cornell, but UConn. University of mm-hmm. Connecticut. It was yeah, called that shit. Yeah, it was uh, so cool. Really small arena, so it was different really from playing from Brookshire. arena in in Brookshire. Yeah, that mm-hmm. arena is huge. Kind of playing more outdoor. You're in this small arena. You need to play really well with each other. I feel like the first game prior to the final, the semifinal, 
it was a hard game. Like we didn't think that well, but gladly we took it home. Yes, sir. That's awesome. And then what happened in 2017? 2017. I think Susan Gacho graduated. They were like me, you, and the two weapons still the team. And he does that for a living. So like he, he might be yeah. the only one out of all of us that kept playing polo and does it. So and I guess like to to call Cacho out here, he could have stayed another year and played with us. But he wanted to leave A and M and just go play polo. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> but we could have won second time in a row. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I guess like that year, yeah, we started like rough. Uh, I mean, we we ended up going to to nationals as a wild card because we lost regionals versus SMU. Mm-hmm. Remember that game? Casey was furious. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember. He's like throwing his whip and getting in trouble and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Casey really took that seriously. And well, we went to Santa Barbara, which was amazing. And I think me and you really like we're on the same page. Casey was like, it's his senior year. He was really wanted to win. And unfortunately, we faced SMU again in, in the, I guess, quarterfinals because we had another game before semifinals. And yeah, like we didn't play well. Yeah. yeah we lost the first game. I remember that um, game. That was the year that Damon Rosser won the, the national championship in the the penalties yeah. against SMU. Roger, Do you remember that? SMU never Roger won. Williams. <laughs> Roger S- Williams. Dude, we kept SMU out of the championship for four or whatever. We didn't. We kept them we out. Of, we kept them out but twice. I know. They... Year. But then Roger Williams beat them in penalty shootouts after like an annoying amount of penalty shootouts, which then happened again in 2018. With us. With us. In the final. In the final. Yeah. In the final. With with Mariano and Fritz now as a new team. Um, that was a like good me, team and you, too. me and you as, as leading co-captains of the team. Yeah. I feel really proud for, for those years because kind of like a new complete team. Mariano had never played arena polo before getting to conversation. That was his first year. I feel like he adapted really well because he's really physical. Mm-hmm. So arena is kind of like his game. Uh, and then Fritz, Fritz is really good up front and just scoring those, catching up those those goals and yeah it was up, up, like we, we lost all the preseason game only up to regionals where we actually stink and we literally lost every single game that year there was not yeah. one game that we won and then in and regionals if we, if we wouldn't win in regionals i think you, you fell remember yeah i was going <laughs> so hard was, <laughs> i know <laughs> I, that <laughs> was like the hardest game i ever played we were i remember that game like it was yesterday because that year was like 2018 is one of my favorite years of my life so far <laughs> I love it. but yeah dude that was a crazy year because we were playing i was still kind of competing with fritz on the third man role up until regionals and so i was going hard like balls to the wall i was playing the first two chuckers and i fell the second chucker while we were up we were beating smu by four goals when i fell and i broke my thumb <laughs> I know, and I know. I remember we were riding Natasha. Arisa. Natasha, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Butterball, as Casey Butterball. called it. Yeah, I was going so fast towards the wall. She turned left, I turned right. I fell. I um... remember I fell from Natasha as well. My first year. Everybody. I, it was kind of going back in 2016 that we went. Where was it? Up to Midland, Texas, with Mike. Same thing, dude. I was going hard. 
trying to score a goal with Natasha, and she's quick and everything. Once you get to she's the great, yeah, to the wall, like she just gets, gets really scared and like, leaves you hanging. Yeah, um, she does not care what, what <laughs> you say on her. Butterball, yeah, dude, that was crazy. I fell pretty hard, and how's uh, your finger? Finger, I like it's like still it's never this it's never been the same. No, oh, shit. I like still feel it. Yeah, that's okay. I, I feel like it was a blessing in disguise. I think like what that that me falling was like a thing that needed to happen. Not necessarily because of like I, I just I feel like it made it very clear what our roles were, and yeah. it made us sink a lot quicker following and in, going into nationals, right? Because Fritz and I weren't competing anymore. I was like not gonna play, so I was able to like really get into that support role and just make sure that you guys were able to to like shine and 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 win you know because that was the most important part at that point even if i didn't even if i felt very much like even if i didn't play in the national in like nationals that i was so much a part of that team that didn't matter to me i was like dude it doesn't just nationals is just like a little piece of the entire year because that year was the year that we went to chewies in august and yeah. we took us we took a selfie Connor with Mariano, Fritz, you and I, we took the team out to dinner and we said like, we're going to win the national championship that year. And we started visualizing and talking about it. And then in national, like we did all the work leading up to nationals. So like nationals just felt like, oh man, I missed the, I missed the pyramid, but I didn't miss the journey, you know? And so that was to me very special. Like, yeah, the, no, the, I, the journey was really special to me. I agree, man. Like, and, and looking back at it, I feel like your role and like, the culture and the, and like that energy that we put in into the team made a huge difference. Yeah, I think so too. Mariana and Fritz, it was her their first year, so we like you did a really a good job there. And I feel like coaching Fritz a lot because it's physical and like when you're losing, you get negative. So that's awesome. And like it's good memories. It's great. Brings yeah. a chill. Yeah, yeah, that was that was awesome. Me too. Brings me brings brings a chill. Wait, I and then to close it up. We, we was, beat beat SMU in the finals. Like, and then we ended up beating SMU in the finals. Yeah, matter of fact, dude, I played my role so hard that Tom Goodspeed was trying to fight me at the end of the fucking thing. He was calling you a foul outside of it. <laughs> yeah, um, I went to go shake his hand after we won, and he was like, "You're a little shit, you know that." <laughs> I was like, maybe I might be a little shit, but maybe. I got a I'm national chip, camp, baby. baby. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's crazy. And then what? I think what made it even more special that year too was that the girls won after losing two years in a row, like Marissa and Kendall. Right. Marissa and really wanted it. Marissa really wanted it that year. I just talked to her about it too, and so that was the first year in like thirty that the same school swept the national championship. And it was like a really important, I don't know, not important maybe, but like it was a, it's like a little history. Yeah, in, I feel like we could bring, bring the team together back and, and have a, a whole conversation to see what they remember. Dude, but that would actually history. be I mean, super fun. It's history because like that's the first year in a long time that both one school brings it together. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I remember as soon as we went into penalties and we kept missing, we kept missing. I was I was like telling coach Mike, I was like, yo, Mike, if they miss the next one, just put me in. I just need to score one penalty shootout and I will make it. Like, I promise you I'll make it. If you just put me in. 
and that's the time that was the the round that mariana was like fuck it and just hit it and it bounced right off the wall like perfect goal and then you scored and then fritz scored and it was over and i was like fuck yeah <laughs> i did not want to get up <laughs> yeah no that was crazy like six rounds we got lucky a little bit yeah for sure for sure luck played a big part but i i am so happy that we won and that was like a really important that was a yeah. really important uh year we took the i remember taking the trophy back through the airport they had its own seat in the airplane i felt like a i felt like a like a that's the 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 first time i've ever felt famous you know <laughs> after winning after winning the national championship in santa barbara we all went out everybody was like dude that was sick that was yeah sick. i don't know if we did this at the airport but like we should have done you you saw you, i don't know if you've seen those videos in instagram when like when they uh, hide their trophy and they go through security and it beeps <laughs> so like soccer players do that we yeah. should have done that now thinking back at it that's so funny that's awesome yeah that, that brings nothing but joy in my in my memory like i think that's that was one of the best semesters in my life honestly and then yeah just all about that was, was awesome and then i'm trying to i'm trying to think so we stayed in santa barbara and then i graduated and i went i went off and you guys stayed for another year and won it all again I, yeah, I didn't know we can do it again because there was a really strong team, the UVA team with Marissa's brother, Brennan. It's really strong. Nachi Viana, which is like, a, I think right now it's a five goal outdoor player. Are you serious? Uh, back in the day, he was four or something. But yeah, no, he's Nachi's really, really good. And then the, uh, another player was really good. And even then, like, We, we went up to UVA to play them because we were going to play at UVA that year. And uh, we played two games in preseason prior to regional. And they beat us both days by like a 10 goal difference. No way. There was no, no, no. <laughs> it was not even close. <laughs> and I really think that that helped us out a way because the level set, like all the things we needed to do to get to regionals. To, na to regionals and then nationals, if we wanted to make it. But also, like, take a good beating. I feel like it helped Miranda and Fritz, like, get in line that, hey, this is not the same year as last year. So if we really want it, we need to work for it. And there was a couple other strong teams. I think that's the first year that the North Northern Texas team played. Mm. With, Von with Miller. Von, okay. Yeah, Von Miller and two other people, two other guys that were really, really good. We played against them. And regional final, and it was a close game. We beat them like like two, like thirteen, eleven, or something. I remember Vaughn <laughs> was talking shit as well to Fritz and stuff like that. It was funny, but they took they took both of us up to UEA. It was six. They changed that the dynamic that year that it was six shockers instead of four. They mm. played six five minute chuckers. so you played roughly thirty minutes of polo game. But in six chuckers versus four chuckers of seven and a half minutes, mm. and in a way, like we we kept that thought of like, yeah, they beat us, but fuck it, we're gonna do the best we can. We beat Cornell in the semifinal, and then of course we're facing UVA in that final, and we started losing. Like we were down in the second chucker by like eight to six goal difference. I remember I was watching that game. And I feel like everyone just like paralyzed in a way. And third chucker coming in, we had a strong chucker that one, but 
we had a conversation with Miranda. Like, go, like we have nothing to lose here anymore. Like that's it, you know. So that kind of relaxes a little bit in a way, you know, not to put too much pressure because, like, also like, can you imagine like playing at UVA with their horses and like in their everyone, arena. everyone bow, everyone's everyone's rooted. Yeah, the whole team here, like everyone's um, yelling for them. Any goal they was, score, like, Natchez and Brendan's fraternity the whole fraternity was there and like of course you know those guys they're shouting when you're shooting stuff like that right talking shit and the last three chuckers we we just went really physical and kept scoring goals get into the last chucker tight it was 16 16 or 18 18 and the last chucker we we got it dude i scored like three goals in the last chucker and like Two, two of the last goals, like, oh, it was like a penalty three and didn't miss, dude. I was on fire that, that, that last chucker. And it was a minute and a half remaining and we were up by three and then you couldn't even feel like UVA, like, they're done. So I gave me way, chills too, dude. In a way, like Mariano says, you win finals, you don't play finals. Ooh. So that's, a good quote. that's awesome. And the girls, like, I mean, Marissa took another win. So yeah, back to back one. national champs with the girls. Sweep. The back to back sweep, which has never happened before. Never happened, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was ecstatic when I tell you that I was like, I don't I think I was in Seattle at the time watching the, the Instagram live feed because they couldn't get the video to work or something. I was like it was crazy. I remember like where I was that was awesome and then I called you after I called Mariana I talked to everyone and it was just like so it was like really emotional but you're right you don't but I think that's like a really that's a really good quote you don't play finals you don't you win you, you, you know, win like and every sport dude that's so that's so good that's awesome what a what a throwback and what a like that like is fun to relive isn't it no yeah no thank you man like I'm here um pumped yeah just yeah remembering because you forget dude like you forget. years go by it's awesome to talk about it and we lived it together. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. Really, really special part <laughs> of my life, dude. Like for real. I think that was like so, so special. And matter yeah, of fact, and like all I mean, also the trips were so funny. Like Yeah, the trips were like amazing. It was so fun. I mean, like, out, yeah. <laughs> anytime we went out. <laughs> Every time, like and just Mike as a coach was hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, grandpa Mike. Grandpa Mike. Yeah, he's awesome. I, I'm going to, I really like the idea of bringing like the, the, the team together for a Zoom and make it a podcast. And, good conversation, uh, yeah. Good conversation. I haven't talked to Mariano and Fritz in a long time. I, I see Fritz though often because he's from El Paso too. How's he so, doing? He's doing good. Hanging. He's doing good. Yeah. But anyway, dude, that, that's awesome. Thanks for, thanks for taking us through that. Really, really great memories. Kind of shifting gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about like, how you got into tech consulting and what that means and then why you picked Accenture over Deloitte. But we can start with tech consulting. Like what, what is tech consulting? And, and... <laughs> I, that's funny. No, I mean, like a lot of people think like, what does really tech consulting mean? I just had that conversation with, a, with this guy here in San Francisco asked me the same question. And it was like, will you help companies pick their computers or what? But <laughs> 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 in all seriousness, really like, the work that we do is help more like a CTO or a CIO of a, a company really help him through his problem, through like a strategy, let's say, build their IT roadmap in terms of 
how they what technologies should target for the business, how they should operate within the business itself. And if they want to implement any system, that's where consultants come in who help them with like the initial strategy phase. And then of course we go into the implementation and even operation. It could be like a supply chain software, a marketing software, you name it. Is that like um, a big complicated software that the business doesn't know necessarily how to do and you've done it before or yeah like typically typically that's like the value that we bring that not only we have like subject matter experts within the firm like the firm that i work for or the firms that i've worked for are really big mm -hmm. like really big in terms of i think accenture has like five hundred thousand employees globally it's massive yeah. yeah so you can imagine like there's people that really really know like technically the speech system let's say sap it's a big system that companies have mm -hmm. so we help them like implement and then and, and adapt the system for their processes and tools nice what's your favorite part about it what i've been focusing is more on like technology strategy more on the initial phase of helping these stakeholders like a, a chief technology officer or a chief information officer really help them build up their organization and decide like what should they pursue versus what not to pursue? Should they invest in data and AI or should they invest in cybersecurity? Should they invest in, in the cloud? Where should they invest in? What people they should bring in strategically? How they should be serving the other function of the business? Um, so questions like that, you help them brainstorm and prioritize. And then, of course, they go on and like purchase the software by themselves and implement yeah. it. Or usually, we can also help them implement the strategy. Sometimes what I, I hear often that like the biggest frustration with consultants is that you can give as many recommendations as you want. You can like guide the customer with whatever like you think is best, but at the end of the day, they'll make the decision themselves. Like the, the difference between working on, on the product versus consulting on the product. Is that like a feeling that you get often too? Is that like a big frustration for you? Yeah, I think, I think it's also the frustration because you can recommend xyc but the client can just not do it and be okay with it you know and there's other constraints that the client has that they're not wanting to do it and so yeah like to your point it's really frustrating but not not only not being able to implement your solution but not even able to see them come through because usually you come in and advise them here's kind of what you need to do and, and you don't talk to them uh, at least me because i'm more like delivering other projects you don't see what the fruits of your results. Yeah, the fruits of your labor. That's that's I I can see how that might be frustrating. You're like you you let it go, you let the project go, and you're like, I wonder how that works. Yeah, and and I guess like it's been a great great couple of years just to learn a lot. Like yeah, you work um with different teams. You, so oh, go ahead. I yeah, no, like just work with different teams, different industries, different different problems. Totally learn from different type of people and how they work so you really get to know how to work with people because um, totally. i've in the last three four years i've gotten like 10 different bosses oh wow. so you, you're constantly reporting and trying to figure out the best point with them yeah um so what what do you think has been the biggest difference between deloitte and accenture you're you were at deloitte and you're in, you're at accenture now so like what's what sparked the the change and and I think I have an idea, but I want to hear it from you too. <laughs> yeah, no. So, so my girlfriend Sophia was at Accenture, so she kind of helped me. And she she introduced me to a lot of people at Accenture that I've met 
Um, mm -hmm. I went through the recruiting process. It went really well. And they gave me a solid offer because I was moving to San Francisco. And it was kind of like a, a good choice to shift gears. To be totally transparent, I want to be at a startup eventually. But like I said, consulting is a great place to learn. Mm -hmm. And as of right now, it was a good move to, to keep learning and, and be more on the technology side, tech strategy side with technology clients here in San Francisco. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, well, you mentioned it, so I'm going to talk about it. You said you want to be a startup founder one day. Like, you're kind of starting right now with your, your snack company, and you and I always are, are talking about now very, like, I think more seriously than ever before about another idea that we've got. So why don't you tell us about the idea you've actually worked on, and then we could talk a little bit about the idea that yeah, we've Yeah, the had. idea is, no, yeah, I love it. I feel like me and you are really excited about that topic. Yeah, I think... I have like an update for you too, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, looking forward. But my snack, yeah, I'm starting a snack business. And this idea was born from Sophia because these snacks are Bolivian snacks and they're a cassava crunchy cheese snack. And it's a really typical South American flavor. A lot of people have tried the Brazilian side of it, which is a pan de queso. If you have ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse, the little bread cheese balls that they serve at the beginning. In, in Bolivia, they bake them for longer, so it's crunchy, but it's same flavor. It's delicious. And just talking with Sophia, we kind of said, why don't we bring them to the U.S.? It's it's not only like actually healthy snack because it has five real ingredients, but also plays that Latin trend, and it's delicious. Like there's a lot of healthy products out there that you eat them once and you never eat them again. And I love snacking them so. It's, it's a product that we live in, so we're building a brand around it. We're partnering with a provider there in Bolivia that already has a big company. And, and like in a way, it's like these cuñapes are like the popcorn in, in the U.S. or mm -hmm. natural. Like it's really popular. So we're kind of elevating that Latin culture through, through our snack. And our brand's name is going to be Calido. So Can you spell that for us? C-A-L-I-D-O. Calido. For... And when I say us, I mean the 10 people that will listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> because I know I know the 10 people that will listen to it will want to buy it, you know? Oh, At least oh, it's, oh. It's, it'll be a good ROI. <laughs> I'll shoot you the link so you can put in the description. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. For sure. So, yeah, we're, we're still in the process of starting. So, we're hopefully launching in September for Hispanic Heritage Month. Oh, beautiful. Uh, here in San Francisco. So, we'll be, but we're going to have a website so everyone in the U.S. can order it. And I'm excited for you to try them. I think, I think you've tried them. I'm pumped. Um, so, do you feel like yeah. San Francisco breeds that, like, I have an idea and then I'm going to execute on it? Mentality, like, I want to say mentality or, like, energy more, more yeah. so than other places. Like, yeah, other places you sure. might have an idea and they're like, oh, that's a cool idea. And you just kind of leave it in the back of your head. But I feel like San Francisco has that energy to it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like, that's kind of one of the reasons I, I want to move here, meet more of that people. And even though it's not like a typical tech startup, I'm a big believer that if there's a great idea, there's you can form a lifestyle business and then go from there. Totally. I think that's that's a place where we where we align. That was like really glad to hear that because I'm like having been in a VC backed company with like hyper growth and like the mm -hmm. this the the round of funding being like a huge measure of success, I'm over it. I like don't know if I believe in it. I think it's a broken business mm. model that is is like slightly overrated, shall I dare I say. 
<laughs> I think there's always a place where where like the VC back model works and and can be a really good thing. But you mentioned a lifestyle business. To me, that means like I'd rather I'd rather be the owner of a you know ten twenty million dollar business that's not yeah. VC backed, <laughs> right? Everyone, I think everyone, <laughs> I, yeah. But like, but I agree. I, I see. I see your point, and I think like like there's a myth there that. Every business, like every tech business has to be VC backed. If not, why are you building it? And to your point there, building a business is already hard. Like, why don't you try to build a business that's actually profitable, like the model works. And then if you need money, grow faster because you can't bootstrap it, go raise some money. But at the end of the day, like you want to be controlling the most of your business. And to your point, like these VC backed startups, um, not a lot of them make it and they put a lot of pressure to grow. So yeah, well, you can share more light there. We'd love to hear more of your opinion. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the way that I think about it, dude, is like the, the measure of success in a growth company tends to be metrics that prove growth that this like scale, like everything's about scale because the business model is based off unit economics. So if like, if you get 100 million users, then you start making money, right? So how do we get to 100 million users? And everything up until then is like, oh, my CAC is really good. The magic number is really good. The this and that. And like, I have to like hire 350,000 people in order to get there. And you're like, okay, cool. What if you don't get there, right? And, and I think focusing on a number that's more, and I think that's like a tech bubble thing. I think most businesses focus on profitability first, making sure that the business model works. And then if it's working, then they pour more gas onto that fire. And that gas often is like money, right? And so, hey, this is working. If we get $3 million round, we can expand on that and, and build it bigger and faster with, with profitability in mind, rather than yeah. unit economics, which both have their arguments, right? That's just my opinion. No, I agree. And I know we're going real deep in this topic, but like right now that I'm starting to start this tech business, like I'm putting a lot of my savings into it. Like I don't want to be in debt or like losing money for a long time. Like you want to see those rewards. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure like, I want to make sure like the model works and like I can be profitable even for year one, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And, and I mean, you, you mentioned it, right? I think the... There isn't a right answer. I think there's a right answer for you, right? I think there's like the the answer that you that the question that you ask yourself has a different answer than the question I ask myself. And ultimately, raising a round, whether like it's a bootstrap round or a seed round, five hundred thousand, a million, whatever it may be, in order to get past hemorrhaging your savings, I think is really important too. Like I think there's there's a case to be made there. And, there's a case to be made on the other side. But if you can raise a million dollars, sell off whatever equity you need to sell off. And then from there, you're profitable and you can like sustain yourself totally different than, than the other way, right? Like where I need a million dollars now and then I'll need five in a year and then I'll need 10 in year three and then I'll need 30 in year four. Yeah. It was like a downward, like a never ending loop because mm -hmm. I don't know By if you've the seen the documentary, not documentary slash the new seat, the new season from we, we work. The week crashed. Oh, I haven't seen it. No. <laughs> so this forget his his name, but the founder, he kept saying to his co-founder, 
we spent to grow, Miguel. So funny how he said it, how they make it seem. But he kept raising money, saying, like, we need to keep spending to grow. But they, they show it to a point, like, like in the two or three months, the business is done if they don't have money, you know? Yeah, which is like, crazy. That's crazy to me. I, but I do feel like there's a world, like there's a there's a world where you raise a you raise around, you get yourself into the into the black, so to speak, and then you just like grow from there at a sustainable rate. You're not, you know, not maybe maybe it's not four hundred percent year over year. Maybe it's hundred percent year over year. Maybe it's fifty percent year over year. I think personally, that's better. I mean, than, that's amazing. Like getting fifty yeah. percent year over year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but. In in any VC backed company, if you say you you grew fifty percent year over year, you're fucked. Yeah, because they're looking for those unicorns, and I get the model. Like they're also running a business, right? Like you're betting hard, and they're pressuring you. Yeah, no, no, yeah. dude, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to try Calido, this the crunchy, crunchy cheese snack company you and Sofia are building. Yeah, um, the Calio Calio is warm in English, so we wanted to build a brand on. But it felt a little bit Latin as well. I'll say, I'll show you then like our initial branding and hopefully like this is our first of many products that we can elevate that culture and like um, those bakers in Latin America that have been doing products for centuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, just people in the US don't know them. Yeah, and I think that's actually really, really awesome of the two of you. One of the things that you I know that you value is that that social impact, particularly in, in in this case, it might be Bolivia, but I know like there's Latin America as a whole is considered as an emerging market, so to speak, and and like bringing those those bakers and those those folks out of yeah. like desperate poverty and into a life that they can sustain is amazing and has a huge social impact on 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 them and their lives, and I think that's so sick really important in this day and age yeah yeah i feel like that's where we're heading as a generation and then just take it into account right yeah totally we're working on an idea this is what i wrote let's see what you think to build the to start the largest subscription-based equestrian telemedicine healthcare startup making horse care accessible and affordable for everyone i love it cool i feel like there's such a need we know a lot of uh like remember the i think it was ali that like studying yeah, for bed and like some of the club members that and um were they were going to into the bed school so we know a lot of, of people already and i feel like all the listeners might agree that having horses time consuming and expensive so if you can help them out in some way why not mm-hmm. i feel like this the people you bring into the podcast can help you refine it, the idea and the and even validate it a little bit, you know, totally. think about things we haven't thought and like learn from their experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the hope, right? Okay. So I have a few rapid fire questions that I want to ask you. Um, and then we can call it a day. Who's your favorite horse you've ever ridden? A horse we, my, 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 my dad uh, made was Dinamita. Mm. It was a Mexican horse that we brought when she was three years old and we broke her and played her. Dinamita was, is, is your favorite horse? Yeah. What, what kind of horse is she? Is she just like a little thoroughbred? Yeah. That's awesome. Dinamita. Dynamite. <laughs> Do you have a favorite polo player? I think the OG of polo, Adolfo Cambiaso. Nice. What's your favorite thing about him? 
he's just a legend. Like, I think he's, I mean, to be playing at that level for so many years, it's hard. And, like, there's so many young players that are trying to get to that level. And, of course, he has the organization to do it. But he's just phenomenal. Knowing what you know now, what's one piece of advice you would give your younger self? Oh, good question. Risk more. Is there a situation that comes to mind? Do whatever you want to do. I mean, I think it's, it depends on each each individual, but take more risks. Right? Yeah. Don't be afraid of jumping in. Totally. Um, love that answer. And then the last question is, what's what's the your favorite place you've ever played? Oh, Santa Barbara. I feel mm. like having the beach there, the polo, and like just Cali is amazing, you know? Yeah. Uh, love it. Christian Aicinena, my guy. Uh, thank you so much, bro. I, I know like it's been... We've been trying to coordinate this call for a while, so I really appreciate you making the time. And No, thank you for having me, Gideon. It was great to be here. Uh, of course, for people. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Dude, so...